This is the Groupfinity Podcast, episode number 11. Welcome to the Groupfinity Show, a podcast for leaders of volunteer organizations. We take the guesswork out of what works so you can focus on your mission, accomplish more, and get rid of administrative madness. And now, your host, who knows you are the 20% who does 80% of the work, Anthony Wilson. Welcome to the Groupfinity Podcast, no matter where you are and whenever you may be listening. Welcome back, Groupfinity Nation. Today's guest is Dondrell Swanson. Dondrell's organization was set to host a 400-person convention in March. Then the state and local governments put restrictions on large gatherings and ordered people to shelter at home. He and his team had to decide whether to reschedule to a future date or to cancel. In this episode, Dondrell shares his and his team's thought process with us. So if you're faced with this situation now, or in the future, there are key takeaways here that you can apply to your situation. If you have a question about your COVID-19 situation relative to your group or your situation, go to groupfinity.com and click on the COVID-19 link in the top menu. Leave your question there and we'll answer it. The key takeaways in today's episode are, number one, get key stakeholders together and do not make big decisions alone. Number two, make the easy decisions fast and keep them easy. And number three, Don't make human decisions financial decisions. Check out groupfinity.com for the show notes and links for this episode. I hope you enjoy this interview with Dondrell, and I'll be back at the end to wrap it up. Hi, Dondrell, and thanks for joining me today. Hi, Anthony. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here and be with you. Good. I'm I'm so glad you're here. You know, we've spoken a few times about your event, and uh, I find it very, very fascinating. So I'm glad that you're here today to, to share with us what happened. So why don't you, why don't we just get right into it? Tell us a little bit about your event and what happened. Well, thanks for the opportunity to discuss this with you. Hopefully there are some people who can learn from and benefit from our story. So we have an annual convention and of course we spend the entire year planning and working really hard to try and put together a high quality experience for our membership. It's important to us that they come to each of our conventions and walk away with a Three things that are that we find to be essential. One is that they walk away with things that help edify them as an individual that would be highly beneficial regardless of their area of life or professional occupation. Uh, secondly, is that they learn a lot more about our organization and how to be more effective within it. Uh, and finally, that they experience quality fellowship. Uh, an engagement with the rest of our memberships who come from 10 different states to be a part of that experience. So we put a lot of time and energy into it. And as um, the event was scheduled for March, late March, and as February uh, approached, we began to hear a lot of information about uh, coronavirus. And so uh, we began to pay close attention to see if that would have an impact. Initially, it was uh, not here in the United States. We heard a lot about it over in uh, China, uh, Wuhan, I should say. Uh, And then we began to hear about it coming over here to the United States, but we didn't feel like it was a major threat to our event. As uh, February came to a close, uh, the incidents began to rise and it definitely began um, to come across as something we needed to pay a lot more attention to. We weren't sure about what the virus was, what the virus meant, uh, but we knew that uh, this became more and more serious as uh, our convention became, uh, as our convention approached the date draw near, draw more near. 
the interesting part about that for us was that we uh, were literally in the very throes of putting all the final touches on a convention that we had worked on for years. Uh, and so pardon the pun, but we, we were struggling with wanting to give birth to that baby. Um, <laughs> but realizing that, uh, that it was going to be a challenge. So walk me through the time frame a little bit. How close to the time of your event um, was the, did the stay at home orders come into effect? Mm -hmm. So our event was scheduled for the uh, March 25th through the 29th uh, in Los Angeles. I believe it was March 11th where the governor of California, Gavin Newsom, came out and made the recommendation that any events of 250 people or more be canceled. As you know, our event, we were expecting close to 400 people. Uh, so that became, uh, that, that, that really got us thinking and talking a lot more and engaging with the hotel. The downside of that is that despite the governor's uh, edict, the hotel and our contract uh, were still demanding. And we had a fairly sizable financial commitment to the hotel. Uh, and so for us to walk away and cancel was going to be very um, f fiscally disruptive. Um, a few days later, the mayor of Los Angeles, uh, Mayor Garcetti, uh, then said, hey, we'd like to see no gatherings of 50 people or more. And in spite of that, the hotel still did not relent. So they weren't really willing to work with you? Uh, they, I wouldn't say they weren't willing to work with us. They weren't willing to work with us in the ways that we wanted them to. Mm -hmm. uh, so their major concern at that point was for us to reschedule. Mm -hmm. And um, I understood that, their hotel, their business. And so it made sense for them to have that desire. But it put us in a challenging position for a couple of reasons that were kind of part of our decision matrix here. Uh, one is that we we. We did not know then, and as you and I sit here doing this interview uh, fair, about two months later, we still don't know when this pandemic will end. And so for us to walk into rescheduling and walk into a commitment at a later date and time uh, without having a little bit more information around when this would subside, uh, to me, was a, uh, a significant risk. Uh, secondly, is we understand how our organization performs in the spring. We understand how many folks we can expect. We understand what the flow is, and our membership has grown to expect our event to take place in the, in the spring. Uh, at best, we were going to be in a position of delaying to the summer, which introduces a lot of new risk in terms of attendance. Um, it also introduces the... Uh, the piece of trying to work with our membership around, hey, who gets refunded, who doesn't get refunded, and things of that nature. Um, now you have kids that are out of school. Perhaps uh, some folks aren't able to attend in the summertime, but they were able to attend in the spring. And, and I could go on, but all of these uncertainties made us less comfortable with rescheduling into the summer, particularly when we didn't know when the pandemic would subside. And furthermore, we... Um, we were in an interesting position because we felt from our legal counsel that we had an opportunity to get out of the contract. And we felt like rescheduling would essentially put us in a position to where we were just moving that contract forward uh, into uncertain times where we may know or may not know when we can get out of it, if that possibility would exist. Mm -hmm. 
So you said a couple interest, interesting things that I want to dive into. So one was that you had a real clear understanding as to how the event would would perform in the spring. Yes. The event has a history in the spring, but it's not so easy or simple or straightforward as just moving it to a different date. Because there's an uncertainty is, you know, it does one thing in, in March, but it might not necessarily do the same thing in August. Is that fair Correct. to say? Correct. Okay. Yes. And, and did, was the hotel sensitive to, to that at all or, or, or did they not hear it? Uh, that's a good question. Um, yeah. And I think it kind of depends on who you're speaking with at the hotel. When we're speaking to the catering department, which essentially is the hotel sales department, I, I wouldn't say that they understood that very, very well. Um, but I think as we began to navigate our way up the leadership um, and you have to remember that concurrently, in fairness to their sales department, as we navigated our way up to the leadership of the hotel, more and more information was coming out, including the declaration of a world pandemic by the uh, World Health Organization. Uh, so we began to uh, get a little bit more understanding, but at no point in time until well after we actually officially canceled, um, did they uh, officially release us from the contract. And, and so the second part of that was that you said you had some legal advice with respect to getting out of the contract. Um, mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about that? Well, the legal advice was that we would have an opportunity to exercise the force majeure clause within the contract that we had executed uh, with the hotel. And uh that actually was not a clear-cut opinion because even within the legal community, there were differing opinions on whether or not force majeure was applicable uh, under these circumstances. Uh, we felt like that was a risk worth us leaning into, and we felt like it was. Um, we felt like we were justified in making our decision to cancel on behalf of the health of our members. On the other hand, financially, we felt like we would be able to. Um, to walk away without having uh, the financially disruptive commitment per the contract, which are two distinct decisions. On one hand, it was very easy for us to decide what was in the best interest of our membership um, and the health of our membership, which is a a multi, we're a multi-generational organization. We would have had members from 20 through 80 years old present. Uh, But on the other hand, um, we also didn't want to financially disrupt the organization. So we felt like we needed to do do, do due diligence on both ends. Okay, so so at at some point you had to discuss uh, a refund with them because they were talking about moving you to a different date and applying your funds to a date in the future. But -hmm. obviously what you wanted was a refund. How, How did that get reconciled? Well, we were pretty fortunate in our situation, whereas we had pretty good credit with this chain of hotels. So we did not have to put a deposit down over and above um, our previous performance with the hotel chain at other conferences and conventions. Now, I have spoken to uh, some other folks that that did have to talk to hotels about trying to obtain a refund, uh, but we were pretty fortunate that that's not a conversation we had to have. Okay. So you're out no money to the hotel. Is that correct? Uh, No material money. No. Okay. And then what about other vendors uh, that you'd put down deposits with? How, How did you work through that? 
that was a case by case basis. In some cases, we were able to get full refunds. In some cases, uh, we still have not been able to <laughs> have that money refunded. But in most cases, there were there was a pretty solid understanding of hey, we want to. Um, uh, reschedule or postpone, or can we apply this as a credit towards use at a future time? Okay, got it, got it. Um, now you have guests. You got four hundred plus ish mm-hmm. members planning to attend. They've paid registration fees. You know, I've talked to a number of people um, in in positions like you were. Some with some, I'd probably say most of them didn't have as many. Um, registrants as you had and their first reaction was don't refund communicate sure what what was uh what was your thought process on that that's an excellent question and needless to say we 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 had a lot of folks that were asking about what decision we would make um again if i go back to my comment earlier we were doing due diligence on two tracks first what was in the best interest of our members? And then second of all, what was our fiscal obligation to the organization and to our membership? Uh, when we really thought it through, we did not think that postponing was going to be a great option. So then it became very easy not only to cancel, uh, but to look at providing a refund for our membership. Now, um, our first choice wasn't to give an automatic refund. Our first choice was to allow all of our members the opportunity to roll over their registration costs to the 2021 convention, which we had already signed a contract for, by the way, which was another reason why we couldn't continue to postpone the 2020 convention, uh, because you get too close to the 2021 convention, and now you have two uh, financial entanglements that you have to navigate through. Um, and 2021 so, was booked for another city, right? Correct. At a different chain of hotels. Okay. Mm-hmm. Which added another complexity to it. <laughs> correct. Exactly. <laughs> um, so interestingly enough, though, so we did make the decision to move forward. Most folks got refunds, not 100%. There's a few small categories of people that we did ask. Primarily, that would be new members because we still think it's important for them to come get introduced to the organization at large mm-hmm. and have an opportunity to engage. And had we refunded them their money, they get a discounted rate of about 30% off. Off, they would have okay. had to register as regular members next year and paid a 30% uplift. So we felt like we did them a favor by rolling them over to the next year. Well, that's good. That was a win-win for everybody. We feel like it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Interestingly enough, though, that literally as recently as last week, I still get uh, calls or, or communications from members that say, hey, you shouldn't have given us our money back. You should have either rolled it over or allowed us the opportunity to submit it as a donation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What was your reply to them? Um, that, you know, we can't win, right? <laughs> <laughs> Had we not given the money back, there would have been some members unhappy. We did give the money back, and clearly some folks uh, were unhappy. But I did make sure that all of them knew that we still are accepting donations. And if For anyone sure. feels so moved, we will still accept <laughs> donations. For sure. I mean, I think that in situations like this, you always got to go with your heart and do what you think is right. Mm-hmm. You know, what's right for organization A may not be right for organization B. You got to do what's right by by your members and what you think is the right thing to do. 
Not only would I agree with you, I would say that, you know, in a position where you are elected, as I am, by the membership, um, they elected an individual uh, who they felt had a certain character and who they were entrusting to make good decisions on behalf of the organization. And so I'm very comfortable with the decision that we made. Uh, I think it was the right one. And to your point, um, I think I did the right thing for our membership. Mm-hmm. Cool. So I, I just have a couple wrap-up questions for you. Um, yeah. So, you know, what were your big takeaways from this? What did, what did you learn? Uh, that's a great question. And there were many things that I learned along the way. Uh, but I would say really high on the list is don't hesitate to get some of the key stakeholders together for a conversation to talk about the pros and cons of what it is that we're doing. At no point that I feel like I was alone and needed to make a decision. Uh, I felt like our leadership team were all part of this. And um, so I, I did convene them on more than one occasion to have in-depth conversations uh, about the pros and cons. I would go back to the previous point, though. When it came to our membership, it was a very easy decision because we do have a lot of senior members. And you'll recall uh, in the early stages of the announcements around coronavirus, um, folks, I believe it was 65 and above, were encouraged to stay at home. So that was an easy uh, choice for us. And I think to answer your question more directly, one of the things I learned is that make the easy decisions fast and keep them easy. You're going to need plenty of time to deal with the more complicated decisions. So let's get those easy ones out of the way as best and as fast as we can. Uh, It's great to have a good team of people around you to have some in-depth conversations and to challenge one another to come up with the best decisions. Um, I learned a lot about force majeure and legal contracts as as connected to these conferences and conventions. Um, And I think I learned that um, despite the early communications from folks who are very price sensitive, there are a lot of people who believe in the organization and financially they just wanted to contribute to support the organization. And that's important. Um, I think I learned in that as well, that we are on track in terms of providing value to our membership. And that's one of the reasons they were willing to fiscally support us. So I love that. Get everyone involved, right? Too often you see people who make decisions like this on an island, Mm -hmm. you know, think that, well, I'm the leader, it's my my say, but I'm a believer in, you know, get people involved, get buy-in, and then, you know, everyone feels part of the decision, everyone feels... um, committed. And I I think everyone feels better about it. I would agree. I think a lot of people feel very good about it. Um, And I think that uh, we ended up earning a lot more trust. And so I'm looking forward to very positive registration numbers for our convention next year, uh, because I think the uh, membership now understands that we're going to do what's in their best interest. that, That sounds great. So since then, have you come across anyone who has been in a similar situation as you and it's, and sought advice from you? And if so, what, what did you tell them? Uh, well, yes, I did uh, have come across. And there's a uh, real diversity of thought um, that's out there. Uh, I think I shared with them what I shared with you, which is, hey, do the right thing by your membership and everything else ultimately will fall in place. And second of all, Don't make human decisions, financial decisions. 
I like that. That's that's that is a good place to end. <laughs> so, hey, Dondra, I really appreciate your time. That this has been fantastic. I think there's a lot that people get out of this. So I really appreciate appreciate you joining me today. Thank you. Dondrell has a great story to share, which is why I invited him here today. Their event was two weeks away, and they had to make a decision to postpone or cancel, and the hotel wasn't really working with them. I love it when he said he was guided by the best interest of his membership rather than financial interest. So the key takeaways in today's episode are, number one, get key stakeholders together and do not make big decisions alone. Number two, make the easy decisions fast and keep them easy. And number three, don't make human decisions financial decisions. I know some of you are struggling with what to do with your events, whether cancel or whether to postpone or whether to go virtual. Go to groupfinity.com and click on COVID-19 in the top menu. Leave your question and I'll get back to you. To make sure you don't miss out on anything, go over to groupfinity.com and join the community by clicking subscribe. And go to wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe to the show. And please be sure to leave a rating and a review. Until the next episode, this is Anthony Wilson. Stay safe and be the leader that everyone wants to follow. Thanks for listening to the Groupfinity Podcast. For more information about the show, to leave comments and connect with the host, head over to www.groupfinity.com.